For many, marketing is once again becoming part of our business we must pay attention to. Keeping our people busy is not a gimme like it was a year ago. When revamping or relaunching marketing campaigns, it's critical to know when to trust our marketing provider and when to push back. In this episode, I'll share my thoughts on how to do that effectively. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So before I start, I think it's important to share some a little bit of stuff with you as far as marketing and my perception of it and my experience with it. There's no question of all the different aspects of business. Marketing is the one that I've made the worst decisions on. I've wasted the most money on in, in like, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars of bad marketing that didn't work. Many campaigns that did not even bring enough revenue into pay for the campaign, let alone the, the, the work we did as a result of the, of the campaigns driving phone calls to whatever extent they did. We had one campaign where it was a back cover of a phone book and we got more calls from competitors critiquing the picture <laughs> than we got from customers uh, wanting to hire us to provide the service for them and solve their problem. So uh, to say I'm a little jaded is accurate and a little cynical is accurate. And I think it's important to to let you know that before I, I get going here, because, you know, Marketing is a it's a critical thing for a lot of us, and um, also my experience has not been great. And that doesn't mean that it, it it's not great. I know plenty of people who love their marketing people and have had nothing but great success with marketing. For me, I just have a little more of a cynical approach. I think it's important for you to know that. So, um, I'm not a marketing genius or guru who's figured it all out. It, you know, it wasn't that many years ago where I was making bad marketing decisions. And it, it, the things we we figured out, I think, are worthy of sharing. That does not mean I think I'm an expert in this. I'm not. And I primarily serve people who are in relationship-based businesses, meaning people who work for companies like property managers or CPA and bookkeeping firms or IT service providers who work for other business owners. Those are relationship-driven, not really marketing-driven. I work with folks who are subcontractors a lot. So I I don't work a lot with folks who are just straight retail but even the folks I work with who are in relationship-based businesses working for property managers or B2B kind of stuff, subcontractors, they still have an element in their business almost always where they have some marketing going for some kind of retail part of it. And, you know, so it, this is a, even though people I work with primarily are, are in those other areas, a lot of folks have marketing stuff that they're dealing with and and just trying to figure out like what's a reasonable balance for that kind of stuff. So. That's why I'm getting into this now. Um, there's no question people are having a harder time now in many cases, you know, keeping the the volume of work up. You know, we kind of got spoiled there for a couple of years, frankly, where there was more work than we could get to. And that's changing a little bit. So it's been a while since we really had to worry about this topic. 
because the phone was ringing already. So who cares? We don't need to worry about marketing. And it's one of those things where if you wait until you need it, you're six months too late. You know, if you really do need to to get the phones ringing and you wait until you need it, it's, it's, you're often like everybody else is ahead of you. So also I think it's important as my experience shows that we got to be diligent and prepared about, about how to go about this. And I'm going to talk about some things that are not specific to any one industry, of course. And I'm not talking about specific providers and specific types of marketing. I'm just going to share with you some, some the way conversations I've had that have been productive and way conversations I've had have not been productive. And that's what I mean by like knowing when to trust them and when to defer and say, well, I'm not an expert in this. This is something I need you to guide me on versus knowing when they're leading you down a bad path. And that's what I'm going to hope to get to today. So we got to be diligent and prepared. Otherwise, as I shared with you, we can waste a lot of money. There's there's not very many things that are as expensive to get wrong as a, a full-blown marketing campaign that's launched that doesn't perform. Like it's just it's just expensive. <laughs> so let me just start with the first one. Some of the worst things I've personally experienced are what I call kind of the copy and paste method, which is the marketing person says, Well, this is what they do in Wichita, and they're having really good results. So that's what we're gonna do for you. And that sounds fantastic. Like if they've stumbled upon some new fancy way to do things like, hell yeah, who wouldn't want to do that? The problem is the company in Wichita may not be like ours so much. Like they might provide the same service, but just because they have the, they provide the same service does not mean they share the same approach, the same pricing, the same sales processes. The two companies I ran, one I owned and one I did not, were in the same geographic area doing exactly the same scope of work and they could not have possibly used the same marketing language and methodology. They, they attracted different customers. They were speaking to different pain points. So even though they did exactly the same work in exactly the same area, they could not have used the same marketing campaign language or methodology. And this is something that is counterintuitive. A lot of things in marketing are counterintuitive. A lot of things in marketing we think are the way they're supposed to be are really the opposite of that. And this is one of them. We cannot just copy and paste. The reasons the customer would choose each of those companies I'm talking about were not remotely similar, not even a little bit, but they did the same kind of work in the same geographic area. So of course they're the same. Well, no, they were not the same at all. The compelling reasons each of them had, the competitive advantage each one of them had were not the same. Otherwise, they would not have been competitive advantages, right? So this is one of the lessons I had to learn the hard way. A, a couple of times we fell for this. Well, this is what they're doing in Austin. This is what they're doing in Minneapolis. So that's what we're going to do for you. Now, to be fair, part of what we learned on our, our very expensive journey was that we didn't have some of the basic things figured out ourselves. And because we spent an inordinate, because of that, we spent an inordinate amount of time micromanaging the provider's metrics. So we didn't ask the right questions because we didn't know the right questions to ask. So we got a few things right, but those were not enough to overcome our mistakes. Things I'd recommend we, meaning the business owners, managers, and marketing people have answers to are things like this. What are the common industry marketing talking points in our geographic area? Now, based on what I've seen, there's always going to be some version of price. Price is going to be addressed. Value, might, it might be said in value instead of price. Quality is going to be spoken about by all of your competitors, probably. Experience or expertise. We're smarter. We've been doing this for 37 years. We have these certifications. We have whatever these things that are that prove that we have the experience. We have an industry-leading warranty or guarantee 
or we have industry leading customer service. Like you've heard me talk about this stuff long, you know, before. So my question here is like, if these are the handful, there's usually like these five talking points. What are we going to say that's different? Because what I don't want to be doing is saying the same thing as everyone else, just trying to be louder. When I say louder, I mean spending more per click and getting more impressions, but saying the same thing as everyone else. That, in my opinion, is what led us down a very unproductive road was we were doing this kind of copy and paste thing, saying the same thing as everyone else, just trying to say it more fervently, meaning we got more impressions. And then it just didn't land. It just land, it just did not. It didn't land. It didn't, it didn't produce any kind of results that were measurable other than we got to write big fat checks every month. So what are we going to say is different? And more importantly, why are we saying the different thing? It's not just the thing to say something different than those five things, price, quality, expertise, like people do value those things, but we got to say something a little more different if we're going to differentiate ourselves. But the most important question is why are we saying the different thing, which leads us to who's our customer. And I mean this, you know, I, I did a podcast of a year, maybe longer ago, talking about if you're not talking, you know, the marketing and marketing is if you're not talking to somebody, you're not talking to anybody. Meaning if we try to cast a wide net, we don't resonate with anyone. People want to know that we're talking to them. We, want, we know, understand, and can solve their problems. They don't have that feeling when, they, when we, we lump them in with every one of their neighbors and everyone in their family and everyone they've ever met. Like if we're all the same, then that's not compelling, right? So if our answer to who is your customer sounds something like anyone with dot, 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 or anyone who dot, 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 or high-income households, which is my favorite. We're not, we're on the, I think we're on the wrong path. So anyone with a water heater is not compelling. Anyone who owns a home and wants solar is not compelling. That means they're just like everyone else. And every one of your competitors, I promise you, is probably in some way looking for high income households. So if everybody's looking for the same thing, that means that nobody's looking for anything different. And you're going to say the same things to the same people as everyone else. And that is not, in my opinion, a winning strategy for marketing. In fact, if it, if if your if your description of who your client is is starts with anyone who or anyone with, I I really think you're on the wrong track. This and I'm telling you this from personal experience. That was our exact description of our client. When we first started, especially, and then even several iterations in. When I talk about, it, I made bad marketing decisions. I mean. I mean, at least five very expensive marketing, poor marketing decisions. So I went through this process a number of times and just, I'm a slow learner, I guess. I just never got it. We kept doing the same thing over thinking it was the provider's fault when really in many cases, yes, there were some, some provider issues, but it was more that they didn't know how to guide us to find the right answers and that like their mechanics of what they were doing was wrong. We didn't know the right questions to ask and they weren't prompting us to ask the right questions. So we got what we got and we just were not educated enough to ask the right questions. That's really what it comes down to. So back to our, who is our customer? You know, we can't be saying anyone with anyone who high income households, those things I think are all leading us down a bad path. What we got to figure out is what criteria do these people use to make buying decisions? What hopes and concerns do they have that we are addressing in our marketing? Why do they care about value? Why do they care about the warranty? And why do they care about that? Right? Kind of the, the five why methodology we've talked about before. So we got to address their hopes and concerns. 
if it's just that we will fix the thing, you know, if, we're, if our message is just that we fix the thing and we do it for by providing value and quality and convenience, we're missing a huge part of the overall buying decision. They assume we know how to fix the thing. Explaining how we're going to fix the thing really well does not is not compelling to them. It doesn't prove anything to them. They expect that when they look up somebody who does roofing, they expect the people who are in the roofing section on Google know how to do roofing. It doesn't help to explain that we're the best roofers because everyone else is saying the same thing too. So if you have five people saying they're all the best, they all look exactly the same. So in, a, in addition to their hopes and concerns, we need to get out in front of. We also need to be aware of what does our industry have a bad reputation for, deserved or not, fair or unfair. I'm not saying a fair. It's fair that we have this bad reputation. Sometimes we just get stuck with things that are not fair. But what does our industry have a reputation for that's not good that our messaging needs to overcome? If, for example, you're in the accounting business, and the accounting business in your area has a reputation for having people who are not customer service friendly or not relatable or personable, then you could talk about that. You could talk about how you're personable and how you you love working with clients and things like that or whatever. If that's if that's a thing where you're at. So in the messaging part, we just need to be we need to know who we are talking to, what they care about, which in my opinion is a lot more than just that we fix the thing. They know we fix the thing. Talking about how well we fix the thing is not compelling, I don't think. We need to know who we're talking to and what they really care about. And how how to uh, convince them that we're the best at solving their problems. Now, when I say their problems, I don't just mean their problem is their water heater doesn't work. The problem is their problem might be they've never had this experience before and they don't know how this is supposed to work and they're scared they're going to get taken advantage of. That's a different buyer than somebody who's bought four water heaters before. Which one are you going to serve? And that's what I'm talking about. You can't say I'm going to serve both. Well, <laughs> you're, the problem the person who's done this four time has is different than the problem who's, who's done it one time, right? And, you know, we're kind of getting into this very specific stuff here, and I don't, I don't mean to, to take the conversation into a very specific way, but these are the kinds of things we want to be thinking about. How do we convince them we're the best at solving their problems? Well, their problems are not all technical related. Most of their problems are things they're never going to tell you about. Most of their fears are things they will never mention. I, I did an episode one time about the underwear drawer. I promise you, a 50-year-old woman who, who's going to have a service provider working in her master bedroom is way more worried about that person going through her underwear drawer when she's not there than they are than not fixing the, the sink correctly or the cabinet in the bathroom correctly or putting in the carpeting incorrectly. I promise you that concern is much bigger. So... A huge problem, like I said, we, we talked about is casting too wide of a net. We, we believe erroneously, in my opinion, that we will attract more people by speaking in generalities, when in reality, we're way more effective, meaning we'll get more measurable results if we talk just to our audience, talk to just the people we want to talk to, and let them know and who they are a fit for us, and let the people who are not our client figure out that they're not the fit for us, and they should go find a different provider. The math doesn't work like we would intuitively think. You think you cast a wider net, you get more people. That's not how it works. You cast a wider net, fewer people pay attention, you get less people. And that's an important thing for us to understand. So um, so let's switch gears to talk about the, uh, the conversation involving the marketing mechanics. But first, are you a business owner in an essential service industry whose customers are also businesses? Are you satisfied with your company's performance or size or the amount of financial or time freedom you have? Do you have this high standards and want to scale your company in a way that will ensure that 
Those standards are kept without you having to watch every single detail. Do you want to learn proven strategies to overcome employee apathy? Are you at a place where you know you you need to get your processes in order, but really don't know where to, that's supposed to start? Like what your next steps are to do that? If so, you're exactly who Service Business Academy was created for. To learn more, just shoot an introductory email to hello at service industry success with the word group in the subject line. Come and check out a meeting for free. No charge. See if you like it. See if you like to be around the other business owners who are going through the exact same things you are. Again, just shoot an introductory email to hello at serviceindustrysuccess.com with the word group in the subject line. Okay, so we covered some of the messaging stuff. Now let's get into the mechanics a little bit. One of the things I've come to believe, again, is after wasting obscene amounts of money on failed marketing is this. The more I allowed the conversation to be steered towards activity-related topics like impressions, clicks, daily spend, or click-through rate, the less we spoke about the number of leads or sales we got. Now, it's perfectly appropriate to have conversations where we say, our goal is to generate 250 calls per month, and here's the way we're going to do this. And then citing all the activity, and this is going to lead to that, and that's going to lead to this. Like That all makes perfect sense. When we start the conversation by saying, our goal is to generate 250 calls per month, it's not appropriate to talk about all the activities as if performing well in the activities is the ultimate goal. It's not okay to say, well, our goal is to get you know 4,000 impressions. That's not the goal. The goal is the 250 calls. The 4,000 impressions might be a step along the way to get the 250 calls, but the 4,000 impressions is not the goal. And doing well at the 4,000 impressions is not the measurement that matters. And this is one of the places I got duped over and over and over. And I say duped by myself, by the salespeople, by the provider, by my account manager. I say duped, I don't mean like people fooled me. I was fooling myself because I was allowing the conversation to get steered down a direction that was not productive. So it's, it's not appropriate to talk about the activities as if performing well in those activities is the ultimate goal. The more conversation is spent where the spend is justified by the activity, the less the conversation should be taking place is happening, which is how many calls are we going to get or how many calls are we getting each month? How much revenue are these calls going to generate or have they generated? How much is it going to cost us or has it cost us per lead? Those are the things that we need to be focusing on. I can tell you that too often I found myself leaving a conversation with high hopes and even confidence because I'd been wowed by all the activity that was going to happen. And then being very, very disappointed with the lack of calls. The activity happened. They could prove it. They showed spreadsheets and documents and, and whatever, proving all this activity. And the phone wouldn't ring. But the provider could make a great case that they'd done exactly what they said because they did. They did exactly what they said. They said we get 4,000 impressions. We got the 4,000 impressions. I couldn't argue that. But I had nowhere near the calls I was expecting. And it was almost like the, as if the activity was their problem to solve, which they did a great job at. And getting the phone to ring was my problem. Now, I'm not saying that was reality, but that's what it felt like in the moment. I strongly recommend starting each conversation. I mean each conversation with your marketing provider by agreeing on the goal. How many calls? How much revenue? What's the cost per call? And then working backwards. And if it's a test, great. I, I'm all for tests. I'm running a test later today, in fact. I'm all for tests, as long as we acknowledge this is a test. What we can't have is say, you know, here's our monthly report, and here's how many impressions and clicks and all that kind of stuff, and here's our plan for next month, and here's how many impressions and clicks, and, you know, that's all great, but those are the means to the end. The end is how many phone time, how many times a call ring or phone rings, how many leads we get, how much money it brings in. Those are the measurements that count. And, and if we're talking about 
you know, if we're talking about starting in the we're talking we're starting in the middle with the conversation, which is the activity, and running out of time before we agree on the desired results, and whose responsibility is to retain those results, that is not productive in my opinion. And that's what happened to me a lot. Was we they would we'd start the meeting with like, here's all the things we're gonna do, and here's how we did all the things last month, and okay, yeah, we'll throw it in the ring as much as we wanted. Here's what we're gonna do next month. But the but the thing we're gonna do next month was about the activity again. It was not about getting the phone to ring. And I'm not saying that they were like didn't mention it ever. Of course they mentioned it sometimes. Of course they said, well, you know, we want to get the phone to ring more. But the details, the specifics, the energy, the emphasis, the passion was on the activity, which was not productive for me. So a final note, I would personally be reluctant to work with any provider who serves more than one client in an industry in one geographic area or zip code. I'm not saying that's a hard and fast rule. I know people who do it both ways who are very happy. Some folks rave about their provider because they only work with one provider per industry, per zip code or geographic area. And others have people who work with multiple and they're happy to. For me personally, I would be reluctant about that. So to summarize, we just need to make sure we understand the messaging and we need and, and, and what's unique about us, our company, our client, how we do things, how we serve them, how we solve their problems. And we need to make sure that the provider, our marketing provider is addressing our needs how many calls, et cetera, rather than their needs, how much activity is being billed for. Those are very, very different conversations. So, uh, uh, hey, come check out our service uh, business academy group at no charge. Send an email to uh, hello at serviceindustrysuccess.com. You know, just introductory email, name, business, years in business, employees, like just basic stuff. Come check it out. We have a great group, really smart people going through the same exact problems you are. You shouldn't have to solve all these problems alone. Nobody's born knowing all these things. There's uh, there's no reason to go through these things the hard way on your own. Um, feeling alone is one of the things that in business ownership I, is ironic because everyone feels alone, but everyone's feeling the same thing. So come be part of a group that uh, people who are going through the same things you are who can help your business. Again, it's free to come check it out. Hello at serviceindustrysuccess.com. Also, subscribe or follow if you haven't had a chance to do that. Share this podcast with a friend or colleague who's a business owner in the service industry. If you haven't had a chance yet, give us a rating review. That's how we grow this thing. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And uh, that's it for this week. And I'll see you all next week.